grace and peace. Welcome to the table. And uh, I'm really glad that you all could be with us. So the series we just wrapped up uh, last week was titled Scripture, dealing with difficult texts. And uh, it covered, you know, a lot of ground. We kind of, I mean, really we touched on on just many, many of the thorny issues in the Bible, you know, from, you know, verses that sound right, just kind of downright homophobic, um, to passages where, um, you know, God seems to kind of promote um, violence to, um, I mean, hellfire and damnation, you know, the uh, passages that kind of seem to demean women, um, even the question of, of whether the Bible is against people from, you know, non-Christian religious traditions. So, like I said, a big series, and it was one that proved to be, um, in many ways, very pivotal uh, for us, like in, in, in ways that I didn't um, foresee, because it ended up being kind of a chance for us to kind of name some of the, um, kind of the approaches to Christian theology that make the, the table as a church community a little bit different. Like, of course, in the essentials, we're just like normal Christians, right? We believe Jesus is um, the son of God, that he died on the cross to forgive sins, that through his you know, resurrection, um, sin and law and death and suffering and violence are all overcome and conquered and that because of that, we get to, to live you know, a new life. So like in, in all those senses, we're just you know, regular Christians. Um, but in some of these, I'll call them kind of the non-essentials, you know, like places where Christians kind of can disagree, but still all be considered Christian, like in all those areas, not all, but many of them, um, you know, we, we kind of land in, in some different places than, than many um, of our other brothers and sisters in the faith. So um, that was kind of, you know, this series was a chance for us to, to flesh some of that out. Um, so one practice that we really want to encourage here at the table is, is that of um, reflection. You know, that's not something we do a lot in our culture. We're very fast moving. And so we like have an experience and we move on. Um, but you know, if, if you've ever had though, like a, just a significant experience, it can really help to take kind of inventory of, you know, what happened um, to reflect on it, you know, process it, allow it to kind of sink in. So uh, although, you know, we don't do this like after every series, we did think uh, that it would be wise tonight to go ahead and as Karen mentioned, we're gonna have a panel discussion uh, just to kind of allow all of us um, some of this, this space to, to do this. Now, uh, for those who maybe you've missed the series or at least, you know, many of the messages, no worries. Um, you'll, you should still be able to pretty much follow along tonight uh, since we have some, some really wonderful people who will be uh, sharing some of their own stories, what they glean from the series, you know, things that kind of made them think or, or see um, Christian faith or Christ in a new light. Uh, so they'll be kind of processing um, with us. And, uh, and there are there, at least uh, one of the faces um, you'll probably recognize since um, she did a reading for us a few weeks back, um, but there'll be a few new faces. It's funny because um, all of these folks have really joined us you know, since the pandemic, which means they've never um, like attended a, an in-person service at the table. Granted, we only met for like four and a half months before the pandemic. So <laughs> there's actually a number of folks who, like, I don't you can't even really say like, oh, so they're new. Uh, I don't know, are they still new? I mean, it's been, you know, like for many of them, three months, five months, six months, eight months, like it's been, <laughs> it's been a while. So I don't know if they're new so much as they just haven't maybe been face to face. So you've probably seen their name show up in the comments section, you know, on Facebook or something um, uh, during our services and such. But uh, anyway, so, all right. So with that in mind, let me go ahead 
and uh, let's bring our panelists on out here. Uh, so uh, these are, are all folks, if you're wondering like, well, why, why did they get chosen? Well, I mean, A, because they're awesome, but B, because um, at some point each of them um, kind of reached out to me during the series, uh, like just via text or email or, you know, just in some way, just naming that they were impacted. Um, and so, you know, kind of full disclosure, if you're going to do that, which is awesome, I, I encourage you to do it, you might get asked to be on a panel. So that's kind of, <laughs> that's a part of it. Of course, they could have said no, and they didn't. They said yes. So uh, thank you all uh, for being with us tonight. Um, and, and also I want to name these, they're also people, I just, I trust their voices. You know, I, um, I've met with each of them, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, um, kind of outdoors at a, at a coffee shop. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I feel like I have some, you know, relational capacity with them and, and know them. And I wanted you all to be able to meet them. So, um, all right, so welcome y'all. So glad you could be with me tonight. Um, so we're going to, um, just start by having you guys, um, go ahead and just introduce yourselves, you know, just all the things, name, where you live, how you found the table, um, all that. So Eric, how about you go ahead and kick us off? Hi, I'm Eric Nichols. I live in Frisco. Um, I found the table through Marissa, um, met Brett in person, and after a couple sermons, I was uh, pleasantly surprised at uh, the services at the table and how it made me feel closer to God. Yeah, that's that's awesome. You said pleasantly surprised. What what were, was kind of your expectation? I didn't really have an expectation. Um, growing up in the Southern Baptist religion, um, church was usually a hateful place. So gotcha. pleasantly surprised. Gotcha. You'll probably have a chance to share a little bit of, of your experience um, with some of that background later on. So, um, all right. Thank you, Eric. Uh, Stephanie, you want to go next? Sure. Um, I'm Stephanie. Um, thank you, first of all, for inviting me to participate. Um, I'm pretty new to the Dallas area. I moved here about a year and a half ago. I spent a little over a year in Richardson, and I'm a new Allen resident. Before that, I lived in the hell country outside of Austin. And I actually found the way to the table through Marissa also. So Marissa, this is your night. Um, but it was actually through a meetup group at a dog park. And so it was, it was just completely unfaith related, um, but that did lead to another group. And she posted uh, the online services here and I've been here ever since. That's greatness. Cody. Hi, good evening, table. Um, my name is Cody Jacobs. I live in Plano, Texas. Um, I grew up in the area. I'm originally from Rockwall, Texas, but um, here recently, I, you know, I was looking for a more vibrantly inclusive church, and I actually found the table online the week after um, you guys' last in-person sermon and service, and so. I missed you guys by a week, but um, I've been following you guys ever since, um, watching the services. I've just really been enjoying it. Well, we are glad to have you, and uh, and like I mentioned, all three of you, really glad to have you. So, um, all right, let's let's kind of jump in tonight. So, obviously, you know, in this series, we um, like I mentioned, we covered a lot of ground, lots of topics, 
Um, but of course, kind of lurking behind um, kind of all of those, um, what we call difficult texts, uh, was really the, the question of how we, how we read, how we think of you know, the Bible, our kind of view of the Bible itself. So this was kind of a two-part question, but could you start by just sharing a little bit about um, kind of your own religious upbringing, um, you know, how that tradition of Christian faith kind of thought of the Bible, how that, you know, worked for you, if you loved it, if you were like, uh, I'm not sure, or, you know, um, that. So a little bit of kind of background on your own approach to the Bible and the tradition you were, you were raised in. So I was raised strict Southern Baptist um, in a family that if the church doors were unlocked, we were there. Uh, for everything. Um, I hated going to church. It was always hellfire and damnation. Um, later in life, uh, being told that I was an abomination, uh, that I would be excluded from the kingdom of heaven, things like that really turned me away from religion. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So pretty... Intense. Even in your intro, you kind of mentioned it was a, a and it sounds like, um, I mean, I was trained by Southern Baptist, so I know, you know, even within the Southern Baptist kind of tradition, there's kind of varying levels of intensity. It sounds like you're coming from a pretty, um, I mean, like you mentioned, kind of a hellfire and damnation um, kind of wing, even of that, that tradition. So um, pretty, um, yeah, pretty difficult. Yes. Connection, yeah. Um, cool. All right. Anyone else want to jump in? Well, um, surprisingly, um, I can relate to Eric a lot because I too grew up Southern Baptist, but we were kind of like a Pentecostal church. You know, we still spoke in tongues, you know, we had the lively services, but it was very straight. Um, um, hell and damnation was taught a lot. And so it really had me grow up in fear, you know, um, very scared to do anything wrong. Anytime I did wrong, I would just pray for like 30 minutes, speaking in tongues, like, forgive me, forgive me. And so that was my opinion. And then it really did affect me when I became an adult, uh, going through my own issues. And the only thing people could tell me was, you know, you're an abomination. You know, you have to repent and live holy and be sanctified. And so that was pretty much my whole background. Yeah. Yeah. Um... How about, um, what would you say is kind of like when you think of the Bible and how the, the Bible was kind of used, and this is maybe for both Cody and Eric, and then Stefan, you of course can jump in anytime, but how would you say those traditions kind of, you know, thought of the Bible? Um, how, yeah, how, how did it, how did the scriptures kind of function or, or work in the, the community? Um, does that, does that question make sense? Yeah. Um, the church I went to was the scripture was the word that there was no interpreting it. It's just a literal reading. Um, and that was the word of God. That's how you had to live your life. Yeah. 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 There was no um, trying to research the scripture or study the scripture. It was, that's what was said in black and white. That's what you go by. But there is no way around it. If you're trying to go around it, then you know you're trying to twist God's word, and so what He said is that's pretty much how you lived. Yeah. 
Well, I had a really different experience. Um, my upbringing included several denominations, Baptist, uh, Evangelical, Presbyterian, um, and I don't, I didn't experience what, what you both experienced. Mm -hmm. um, the church was sort of like the, the social group that we hung out with. I went to Sunday school, youth group, people hung out on the holidays. Um, the Bible was something that we studied and it was explained to us. Um, it was pretty, pretty low key for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like, um, yeah, like you said, kind of low key. So it was the Bible's there. It's a part of our kind of life in, in as, as a person of faith and in the church, but it, it wasn't necessarily kind of a in your face, almost aggressive the, the way Cody and Eric's are, are, are kind of describing their experience. Is that I would say that, but I was it. I wasn't doing anything that they didn't. The scriptures and and the the community didn't think I should be doing. So, um, it was right. easier. Yeah, yeah. Like you were kind of in in line with it. So, like, hey, don't don't come after me for anything. Like, yeah, right. gotcha. Um, how so? Kind of thinking back on this series. Um, I had kind of these two big ideas when it came to this idea, the, the question of scripture and just how we think of it, interpret it. Um, and so the two ideas were basically, number one, the point of scripture is to point to Jesus. And then second, I said, we need to read the Bible or interpret the Bible through the lens of love. So those were kind of two big guiding ideas. Um, and I, I kind of wondered, like those two insights, was that something like you're familiar with? Were those kind of a new way of approaching the Bible? You know, and depending on that answer, did that resonate with you? Was it kind of weird? <laughs> like how, I'm wondering how that, those ideas of, you know, kind of the, the scriptures pointing to Jesus, that's the whole point of them. And this idea of the lens of love, interpreting through the lens of love. Um, how does that, how, how did that kind of strike you? Um, what did that bring up for you? I loved it. Oh, I mean, the imagery of it pointing to Jesus, that was, it for me, it diffused some of the tension around what version do you use? Is it, you know, literal? It, it, it just made a lot of sense and it connected a lot of struggles that I had as a younger adult that said, well, if I don't follow these rules um, that the Catholic Church teaches me because I became Catholic, you know, am I going to hell? Am I leading people astray? But if I do follow these rules, I'm not loving these people and accepting them. So that was a real problem for me. So having it as point to Jesus and reading through a lens of love, that was awesome. Yeah. Cool. Cody or Eric, how about for you? So for uh, me, a lot of people they forget. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I think a lot, um, for me, a lot of churches, they forget about Jesus and they focus more on their denominations and their own teachings. And so, you know, of course the first point is to point to Jesus, but then when you're trying to teach your own denomination, your own beliefs, then Jesus kind of goes out the picture. And the message about, you know, seeing it through the lens of love, I've never heard that before, so it really touched me because, you know, I just never heard that in church before. 
you know, we teach about love, we teach about the love of God, but when it comes to approaching other people, trying to reach the gospel to them, love kind of goes out the window sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's a remarkable thing, isn't it? That, that the way it's so easy, and I, and I wouldn't exclude the table from this, how we can get so focused on our own kind of thing, our own take on the faith, our own theology, that like Jesus can start to get kind of crowded out and we start to maybe talk about him less or um, that's a, yeah, that's a strange, a strange thing. Um, but it is, it's so easy, uh, yeah, for that to happen. And so what a, I think that is one upside maybe to that approach is it, it helps us to stay centered, um, you know, kind of on him. Uh, Eric, I know you were jumping in uh, a minute ago, so. Um, so I like your word. Um looking at it with a hermeneutic of love. Um, I had to go look that up and study that. Um, still having problems processing that, um, reading difficult texts and understanding and changing it to reinterpret or reinterpreting it so that I'm looking at it through a lens of love. Mm -hmm. um, but at least now I'm not completely ignoring the Old Testament. Um, it's actually still there. Yeah. So for you, it's kind of, um, well, A, you mentioned some of the struggle of like, it's kind of a, it's a challenge a little bit, like a mental, like, okay, this is a fresh take, which I'd like you to unpack a little more. But also you mentioned it kind of has helped you connect with parts of the Bible again, which is really interesting because I wonder if folks might, if they're hearing my messages, they might get really nervous. Like, are you like, people are going to just read the Jesus parts or something, you know? So, um, yeah, you can jump on either one of those or, or however you'd like to, but I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Um, so you described um, that some people's take on it was just to ignore the Old Testament. Um, that's what I've always done, um, ignore the old, the, the old Testament because that's where the bad stuff is. Um, all the stuff that scared kids, you know, in, in church, you shouldn't be scared of church. Um, so that's really, I don't know, it, it allows me to read the Old Testament again and understand that maybe I can reinterpret what, what's actually being said kind of putting it in context. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. How about, uh, Stephanie or Cody, any other thoughts on this before we shift on? Okay. I don't have anything. Okay, so the, the other, um, or I should say the other, but probably the, you know, the kind of hottest topic in the contemporary church out of all of the messages we did um, really surrounded the passages that um, can can sound quite um, anti-gay. Uh, obviously, you know, at the table, we're an open and affirming kind of church community. Um, but I'm wondering, um, you know, what, if anything, you found particularly helpful in that message? And then kind of how you, how, ha how has that message kind of caused you to go back and read the scriptures and specifically those passages? You know, has it changed anything for you? I mean, it's possible you'd already kind of change some of your views beforehand, you know, whatever. But anyway, I'm just wondering, how did that message land? Um, how did it impact you? Uh, you know, things along along that 
those lines. So Well, for me, um, it was definitely an eye opener. It's still a process because when you grew up in church, listening to the same message and believing in one thing, it's really hard to just change overnight, even though you know that it's right. Uh, I can tell this, that sermon really did touch me because of what I deal with, you know, being in the South and the sermons that I heard uh, regarding homosexuality, it was also taught with toxic masculinity as well. And so it was just pretty much preachers not even wanting to see the love of gay Christians. Um, they, you know, use that moment to make fun of the gay community and just really people just really made people, you know, uncomfortable. And considering the fact that, you know, a lot of people in the church are straight, it was, um, it turned into mainly a comedy fest pretty much. And I have so many services I remember where people were just killing themselves laughing while the pastor just making fun of gay people. And it really did affect me because, you know, I ended up dealing with it as an adult. And I tried to talk to pastors in the past about it and there was no help. It was just, that's wrong. You know, there's no way that you can serve Christ and live like that. And you need to change, you need to repent. And that was the only advice I've gotten, you know, all these years. And it really caused depression and a lot of mental issues. And so hearing that message from you, it really, I really felt the love. And I really, you know, felt the love of, love of God. Just let me know that you are mine and you are accepted. And yeah, so um, as far as um, the scriptures, I have studied them. I'm still um, researching because like I said, this happened overnight, but I am definitely reading them through a different lens now. It's a lens of love. So. Um, I mean, just hearing the, the like thinking back on, it sounded like you're describing kind of past church services, like where you sat there and, um, my goodness, Eric, Eric or, or Stephanie, have you ever experienced anything like that or, or has your experience been kind oh, of different? Definitely. Um, I, I don't know if it was really at, at least once a month, but it seemed like once a month there was always some hateful message um, directed toward gays. Um, I even remember a pastor saying, you can't be gay and Christian. Um, it's just not possible. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Definitely the same for me. Uh, <clears throat> um, anything other than a man and a woman post marriage vows, was strictly, uh, you know, a ticket on the express bus to hellfire and damnation, which I think we're going to talk about later. But um, not only that, it was, I heard it called a disease. Um, I, I've watched people turned away from churches. Um, and it doesn't fit with the verses that we talked about with Jesus coming to save all people. Uh, it just, it never made sense to me. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I, I think, and, and just even reading some of the comments, y'all aren't alone, um, you know, in this kind of some of these experiences. It, it's it is it's a huge challenge, and 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 as even like Cody mentioned, I think Eric, you might have alluded to this as well. Like, you know, and but it's okay to be in process with those texts, right? Like, we want space for people at the table to be able to come and wrestle with the Bible and you know, do our best to interpret it and read it through a lens of love. But that doesn't mean we're always going to read everything the same way. You know, we kind of all have to be on our own journeys. It sounds like where there's some unity, though, is we we want to approach it with love in mind. You know, we want to be sensitive to people. <laughs> like, this seems like a pretty basic, you know, um, uh, thing. And um, boy, I hope we can... Um, yeah, start to do, do better on that. Um, any anything else? Any other thoughts on this um, this topic before we keep moving? So another um, one. We just like I said, all the all the thorny issues in this series. So another one was um, women and the Bible and women and kind of in that message. Um, you know, we, we kind of unpack the two trajectories in the Bible uh, that that and specifically in the New Testament, which is really like where you see this, um, you kind of have one trajectory or one line of thinking that's quite liberated and inclusive of women. And then, and, you know, another that is um, not. And so I wondered, um, Stephanie, maybe you could start us off just sharing a little bit your, your own experience in the church, um, you know, as a woman, like has this was this an issue? Was it not? How, what's been kind of your, your experience with all this? And, and then of course, as that relates to the, the Bible. Sure. So I'll start with um, where I am today, which is squarely in the women are included in all parts of church. Um, I wasn't always that way. I actually drank the Kool-Aid for a long time because I didn't know any better. And that's what everyone around me was telling me. Um, so women did not have a part in most of the churches I was in. Um, my thought is that leadership and groups that are doing service can't really do a good job unless they're comprised of the community that they're serving and the communities that they want to include. So if a church wants to include everyone, then everyone you know, all that diversity needs to be represented in the church. So sometimes maybe it's not in a leadership position because if you're a small church, right? But, you know, here I am, the tough good woman on the panel. <laughs> um, so that's kind of my thought. Uh, I, and I would say that it does a lot of damage to not have that, or at least it did to me. I've, I've always been in a minority as far as gender. Um, male-dominated organization. I'm in tech. And even within tech, my particular organization has admitted they're doing a terrible job with diversity, especially with women. Um, I went to a military university. I was in the military. Um, so I, I think the damage that comes from that kind of thing is I actually used to pride myself on minimizing what I considered and what I was told were um, female liability characteristics. So like my best friends in university were men because there were 
only 900 or out of 990 people, there were only 90 women in my graduating class. Mm -hmm. And even my best friend would, it was like normal and I accepted it as okay that they would tell me I shouldn't be there. So that's my thought. It's not good. We need women in leadership. We need everybody in leadership and in being the face of our spiritual groups. Was, was you, you mentioned um, you, you're kind of now in this place, you know, when, what was that process like for you to get there? I mean, has that been, you know, years in the making, months, weeks, you know, what, what's been your, your kind of experience with that? It's funny you say that um, because I'm going to thank my mom. She, so we have a family tradition going back to her family of Easter sunrise service. And so she was visiting one year and Catholic churches don't do that. Um, I don't know if other people will do it, but the Methodist church right across from our house did it. And so she wanted to go and I said, okay, I'll go with you. And it was beautiful. I highly recommend the tradition to anyone. It, it's really not that bad to get up super early. Um, but there was, a, there was a female minister and I don't remember much else about the message. I do remember the sun coming up behind her. But I do, she made just one quick oblique reference to not understanding why women shouldn't be able to preach. Mm-hmm. And that's really only been less than five years. Um, and it just lit a fire. Yeah, yeah, wow. How about um, Eric or Cody? Um, you wanna jump in with just any of your, kind of what, what you've observed, the, I mean, Obviously, we've heard a little bit of the traditions you've come from, um, but although I don't totally know, uh, for both of you, I mean, maybe women were included in those in terms of leadership. I'm not sure. Um, how, what was that like? Um, for me, uh, women were not allowed in leadership. Um, however, toward the end, they were teaching Sunday school classes. Before that, it was always the deacons, um, the men of the church. But I don't know now where they stand. Uh, I know there's uh, the church by my house. There's women in ministry. In fact, I think the whole church leadership is female, which is great. Yeah. So um, the church I grew up in, it they have evolved so much, and I'm so happy for them because even though I look very young, I've seen so much happen. Um, when I was a kid, the women were not allowed in the pulpit, but that changed to, okay, they can be in the pulpit, but a woman can never be a pastor. You know, a woman pastor, that's just wrong. And I believe they have gone away from that because they have invited other churches to fellowship with them with women pastors. So that's very exciting um, to see. But there was a church that I was a part of not too long ago, a couple of years ago. Um, they're still stuck back in the day. Um, the women are not even allowed on the front row. And I always thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> um, I went to church with one of my female friends one time and we were walking and the usher was like, I have to separate you two. You're not married. I need you on the front row and she needs to sit a couple of rows behind you. And I was like, okay <laughs> i don't agree with that you know we came here together but um so 
there's still some churches that I know that, you know, are still stuck back in the day, but it is wonderful to see a lot of churches evolve over the years to allow women, you know, to hold the positions that they rightfully deserve. Um, it's a it's an amazing story of even it's interesting how even seating arrangements can be a very powerful way to communicate, you know, who's the priority here, um, and all sorts of kind of you know verbal and nonverbal cues that kind of indicate, um, yeah, what we what we think, you know, and um, and Stephanie hearing your story of that's such a powerful image of you. You said about five years ago, kind of going to this this Easter sunrise service, and there's like, oh my gosh, male preacher, you know, and um, which is yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. And how appropriate for Easter since the uh, first preachers of the resurrection to the disciples <laughs> were the ladies, <laughs> so it's uh, it seems very appropriate. So yeah, it's awesome. Um, so. The uh, another topic that we hit on was that you know there are Bible kind of passages that describe God as quite violent, um, and some of what what we named was that 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 tends to shape kind of how we you know I use the language of image God in other words like how we understand how we imagine or view um, you know God. So I wondered could you share a little bit about um, how you image God growing up, um, how that's shifted through the years you know, perhaps um, how, if anything, intersected with this series in terms of, you know, thinking through those violent passages that kind of intersects with the um, the piece that Eric talked about earlier with the Old Testament, you know, since a lot of these are from the Old Testament. Um, so anyway, yeah, kind of walk us through how do you image God, how it's changed, um, anything with the series that helped in that regard, um, we'd love to hear it. So uh, for me, uh, growing up, God was something to be feared um, or a being to be feared. Um, he would strike you down if you sinned, if you didn't try to live your life in his image. Yeah. Um, to the point where I think until I was 10 years old, I would hide from lightning so I couldn't be struck down. Um, so uh, my image of God then was very different than it is today. Um, I've always questioned, uh, I believe that God made me the way I am. If God made me this way, why does he hate me? Why is he saying I can't go live with him uh, in heaven? Never understood that. Um, so I feel like maybe the Baptist, Southern Baptist religion has that wrong. I hope so. Um, and that I'm not condemned to hell. Stephanie or Cody, how about you? So um, for uh, me, it was um, always an angry God. You know, I heard more messages about God being angry more than God loving. Um, and it got to the point where <laughs> um, I used God as a defense. You know, somebody did me wrong or you saw somebody doing something bad, it was, oh, God's gonna get him or get him God. You know, we use God as like, you know, an attack, you know, you know, teach them a lesson, strike them down. Because that was all the messages that mostly I remember as a kid 
was um, guys watching you do anything wrong, you know, you, you, you know you're going to be convicted of it. And so, yeah, I always, you know, grew up believing that God was just this angry spirit and we just had to fear him at every moment. Yeah, I, I definitely grew up with more fear than love focus. Um, it makes me think about what we teach our kids, you know? That seems to be um, I mean, kind of a, a theme here is this idea of fear. Um, why? Like looking back on your own experience, why do you think that image of God was so kind of centered and prioritized? And um, why, why, where do you think that fear, where was it coming from? Or what was the why behind it what, in your, your experience from your perspective? I believe it was because they were trying to get us to, you know, to live holy and sanctified and only way you can live this sanctified and pure life is if you fear God, that if you backslid at any moment or if you did anything um, that was sinful, then you were risking missing the rapture or going to hell. And so if you um, just believe that God was just this fearful God and he's just watching your every step and you walked on eggshells, then you would scarcely make it into heaven. And so that was mainly um, why for me. I wonder, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I wonder if it has to do with children and the way they hear things like what pieces they focus on most at young ages. Hmm. Uh, um, you know, if you think only in black and white, good and bad. I think maybe it doesn't take that much discussion of the bad for that to really just blossom and take over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it just kind of, that's the thing that jumps out, um, even if maybe other things were mentioned, but still it's like, that's that's what sticks. <laughs> uh, yeah, Eric, how, how about for you? What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, like Cody said, um, you fear God, um, always walking on eggshells um you can't backslide um god you're gonna go to hell if you do um i think it was the message was centered around fearing god so that you wouldn't backslide or sin or whatever yeah you know i have one other thing i think Sometimes, you know, we forget that the leaders of churches and denominations are humans and they're trying to do a good job. So, you know, hopefully most of them, I like to believe that. And it's about, um, I think it can sometimes be about control as a way to make sure that their job is getting done. Like they feel a sense of responsibility to keep people on the straight and narrow. And um, yeah, so they, they use kind of the resources at their disposal. And, and one of those is the, that, uh, the idea of hell. Um, and well, an angry God, which then kind of leads into um, kind of our next question, which is you know, around 
hell, obviously those two tend to be very, you know, connected. God's um, upset, very upset. And if you don't get on the straight and narrow, then eventually, you know, you will, um, you know, burn in hell forever. Um, I, I, maybe y'all could speak a little bit to um, how, so that, the message I, I preached on hell, the, the way I kind of, I didn't say like, oh, there is no hell, um, because I mean, Jesus himself talks about, you know, hell. He uses the language of Gehenna, um, which people could kind of quibble with, like maybe it's different than what we imagine. But still, if you read all the quotes from Jesus on it, I mean, he's like describing, you know, some sort of, you know, hell, um, how, how we understand that. So what I named, though, was to keep the idea of the love of God central, where a lot of, of the church, um, many, I should say many theologians down through the centuries, have kind of read um, hell as like the fires, as the fires of God's love. The image here being this isn't about punishment and gotcha, but a kind of a purifying healing process, which then leads into this broader idea of, um, you know, people being saved, even people maybe that we would be surprised, like perhaps even all people, all creation could be saved. Um, so that was kind of, it was a big message. We covered a lot of ground. I'm wondering out of all that, um, you know, what stood out to you? What have you wrestled with and, and thought through? Um, yeah, where's kind of your mind been on this? Maybe we can start with Stephanie. I know this is like near and dear to her heart. This was my favorite one. This is what probably got me on the panel. I, I've read the Bible, at least I think I've read a lot of it. Um, but when you preached on 1 Corinthians um, 3, verses, you talked about, I think, several verses. But the last one um, talked about whatever we've built our earthly journey or house with, you know, whether it's gold or hay, it'll get burned up if it's not gold. But we won't be. We're all going to, it says, um, I wrote it down, um, may suffer loss, but yet we'll be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. And that was just like, just amazing because I, I wrestle with this. Everybody, I think, that's kind of gone through some of the things that Cody and Eric and I have discussed, wonder, are we going to hell? You know, what is hell? And to know that I'm going to be saved, like, I think it's the first time I really felt like I really believed it. So thank you. Uh, same for me. Um, it definitely resonated. Um, that's probably the one most important thing I took from this four part series was um, my vision of hell probably isn't correct. Um, and I need to reread and make sure that I understand. Uh, and when, when she said it was almost like an epiphany, um, when you read that, I was like, wow, that's amazing. All this time it's been right there, but never knew it. Yeah. I'm still mind blown about that message, to be honest with you. Um, I've never heard it preached like that before. Um, yeah, I'm just still wild. Um, just like Eric said, it's been right there in front of me the whole time. But it just, I guess I've always just had the wrong interpretation of it. I remember, I can remember messages on hell where I will just be sitting in my chair just cringing because it's just so scary and just 
they go into detail about you know being whipped by a scorpion and and they they describe this um, stuff and you just jump in your chair <laughs> and then you um, walk out of their church in complete silence. It's like wow. <laughs> and so I I, I feel you know say thank you for preaching that message. Yeah, you're so welcome. It's um, I remember years ago I read C.S. Lewis's book The Great Divorce, which I think was um, uh, one of the uh, resources I think I mentioned in that message. Um, that uh, it, it's not about like it's not a book about marriage and such, but it's it's really about heaven and hell and the this chasm kind of between them. But um, it's a beautiful book, and it was really the first one that got me thinking, like, oh, so seeing hell as as an expression of God's love seeing it as a place where um, God um, wants people to return from. I never thought, I just, I, I just never thought of it in those terms. Um, and it really, it, I mean, I guess I had a similar experience to each of you in terms of that really got me thinking like, huh, maybe the Bible's more complex and interesting than I thought it was. Um, but it was helpful because he also wasn't just throwing it out, you know, like, um, I mean, Jesus talks about it, so it's something we really need to grapple with. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm glad that was that one resonated with with each of you. Um, any just closing thoughts? Um, input anything before we kind of wrap up? No pressure, but if, if you'd like anything still on your mind, you're like, oh wait, I need to say, I wanted to name, you know, whatever. Um, anything to jump in on? No, I'm just thankful that uh, I found the table. Amen. Man, I just feel so free in my faith for once, you know, you know, free in my love of Christ. It, it's a really good feeling. And this church has helped me a lot with that. Well, it's, it's an honor to have you all as part of us. I'm so glad that that folks watching and listening can get to meet, you know, each of you in the way that I have um, over the past few months. And it's, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have you. So thank you for taking time. Thank you for being vulnerable, you know, sharing some of your story, kind of opening up in a way to, to people and putting it, you know, out publicly online. That's um, really generous on your part. So thank you for doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, let me go ahead. I'll just close with, with a prayer. Um, Lord Jesus, we, we are just grateful for um, the ways that you speak. You're so faithful uh, to lead us into truth. And so I pray over every person um, hearing my voice, God, that they would be drawn into your love, that they would um, read the scriptures in fresh and um, honest and beautiful ways. God, ways that, that lead them to become uh, more like Christ. So may the table, may, may we as a church community be marked by that, God. May we as individuals um, uh, be marked by that, that kind of love, God. That's, that's who we want to be. So make us a thoughtful people, inclusive um, people, kind, generous. God, do that work in us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.